We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. What's up, what's up, what's up, man? Good evening to everybody and happy Pappy Day to all the Pappies out there, uh, especially these three right here, the Pappies. Uh, I also want to say happy Juneteenth for the folks that celebrated it uh, and the miscellaneous dates that, you know, specific territories might celebrate on their own. So, for instance, in Kentucky, where Paducah specifically, August 8th is the day that they also celebrate as well. So they get two parties um how you fellas doing today man y'all look good chris i'm gonna start with you i gotta let me be a better host i'm gonna start with chris <laughs> and then go it to ray how you doing today chris I, I mean when you say you look good i thought that i knew you was coming to me first so i appreciate that <laughs> uh listen uh good morning good evening whatever it is welcome shout out to all <laughs> of the black fathers in the world today who don't get your roses while you're still alive shout out to the black men who um are working jobs that you hate for children that you love uh well shout out to black men today who uh did have your kids gather around you and show you some love and some respect appreciate you all and uh welcome to this very special episode you go, man. Ray, how you doing today, brother? How you feeling? Man, I'm I'm feeling wonderful. I'm blessed. I'm with uh good energy in the room, black fathers and a and a black surrogate uh person that's in uh young people's lives. Shout out to Summit Ten uh 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 Tenley Summit Academy. Uh they mm. sent me some gear to rock tonight. So I'm repping hard for uh, for Naptown for folks that uh that that heard my request or my call. If you're doing dope things in your organization and your nonprofit and you got gear, send it to me. I'll rep you hard on eight black hands and we'll go from there. That's what's up, man. I like that. And just in that same spirit, brother, I'm repping the OG, the original, the first, <laughs> the very first piece of merch and that stuff is still up man y'all should go grab it and the funny thing that we did for people right now that you mentioned that we made this so cheap that there's no profit it is at cost it's 29 dollars. so if you want that why it's still up you might want to go i'll make sure uh, our producer has the link sharif brother how you doing today man how's it going good man doing well doing well excited to be here um you know i love this topic you know went uh went deep sea fishing with some fathers and and some some sons today, which so that was really dope, and uh, and it was great to be at Juneteenth celebrations uh, this weekend and seeing so many, you know, um, so many of our people. Kind of the first time folks have gathered, you know, in a year and a half. Uh, so, so it's don't good. see how so Sharif, I'll be out doing br- brothers. You see how he just? Oh, you know, I went deep deep sea fishing today. Uh, that's why he went yeah, in <laughs> I mean, that's not a big deal. You didn't catch nothing. <laughs> yeah, right. You saw the pics. You didn't catch nothing. Why? I saw you liking all on all, all Instagram. Get off my page, homie. Knock it off, Reef. Hey, Reef, I got, I got a question for you. Can you dance, Reef? Like, yo, people been asking me. And Bruh. so I, I'm putting it to you. Bruh. Well, you, you asking me out, man, what's, what's your problem? What's the, what's the matter? Hey, even if I was what's asking the, you out, problem, just, just, just respectfully tell me, no, you're not interested because it's Pride Month and, 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 and we, we support everybody. Anyways, right. sir, can you dance? 
If you can rumble, you can dance, and I can rumble. So, oh, geez. You know, right. I, I, the, the term ain't really rumble, but I got you. Uh, it is. It is. People, it, it it is. no, it's something else. But I will. I cannot see Sharif saying what that is. But um, <laughs> I am. I'm very happy to be here with these three fathers and Ray. Thank you for that love. But I've been correcting people all day. I've gotten text messages and tweets that's like, "Oh, well, Happy Father's Day to you. You played this role in people's." No, 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 no. Listen. Do that the day before, the day after. Let these dads, especially black dads and brown dads, let them just have their day. Like, it don't need to be no surrogates. It don't need to be like the single mom saying, well, happy daddy day to me. Like, to, to the dope parents that's out there, to the dope dads that don't get no other days, maybe you get some love on your birthday. Like, you know, just reserve it for them. I don't need a happy Father's Day. I don't. And I don't like it. Don't put that baby juju <laughs> shit on me. <laughs> don't do it. I don't want to be your kid's dad. I don't want to be. No, I don't like it at all. I knew he was going to do this, and I knew he was going to get a total approximate of 10 minutes of this. From yeah. Well, <laughs> that's hey, two minutes. I'm hosting. I get to do whatever I want to do. When you host, yeah. you do what you want to do. That is but true. let's jump into it, though, man. Um, well, but, I, but seriously, in all seriousness, though, like. I do. I really do think this in all honesty. I do think that the Chris is the Rays and the Sharifs of the world. Just let's, let's, let's just have let y'all have a day without stepping on it. That's all. I just want y'all to be pure uncut. I don't want to step on. Um, but let's let's go ahead and reflect, man. Because, again, You're Chris, to, are you also talking about all the, the moms who get happy Father Day wishes? Like, I, I'm talking. I said to everybody, right? You're like, being messy, bro. I, and I don't want to do that. that I don't need that energy, I've yo. Seen, I've I already got somebody. Somebody that already unfollowed me on the Twitter because of y'all. I don't want need that. Energy. What? Oh, because yeah. of who? Never mind. No, never who mind. Who is y'all? Yeah. yeah, never mind. He he's I blaming see. us, but it was his own messiness. Look, I stay. I stay out these Twitter streets. I don't even know what's going on. But what I do know is that today is a very special day. And in all seriousness, I love the hell out of these three men because they are amazing fathers. And he, like, you know, shout out to Chris, whose son is engineering this episode. Shout out to Sharice, amazing tribe, especially those daughters that I've gotten a chance to meet and spend time with. And Ray, who was just building two geniuses, right? Like, I really hope one day he actually writes about his navigation process where he got kids graduating at 15 and 16 and a whole bunch of crazy stuff, right? Like, we joke a lot, but my... My appreciation and respect for these brothers in that vein. And if I ever am blessed to have children, I will be hitting them up the most. I actually think that these people, I think these people are amazing. I don't know why you coughed right there. You better hold that shit in next time. <laughs> that is not what you coughed. Um, but let's jump into it, man, so I can step out the way, man. I want y'all to talk about, you know, the black fathers in your lives. I want you to talk about the folks that have helped you get to this space or the things that helped you get to this place. And Chris, I am going to, I'm I'm going to go in that same order, uh, Chris, just because you helped put this episode together and I want you to kick it off and be the example for us as we talk about this. So get that brother to screen. Yeah, you know, I'm always really careful to not make it about me or about my fatherhood. The reason that we have this show, the reason that I participate in it, the reason that I do educational activism started with me as a father, started because I had a reason, a burning reason to be involved in these discussions. But over the years and over time, uh, it became less about me and it became more about uh, networking and starting to see other people who were having similar situations, similar issues. 
What's happening to me this year that's got me a little bit radicalized about the Black fathers in my life, in my network, not just my own, in my family, but just in general, is that I'm sick of the invisibility. Uh, we should have loaded up the, the video of Ray's daughter. Ray's baby girl has a video that he posted out today, right? And this is what's interesting to me is like, I saw the video. It was the cutest thing ever. I kind of melted. I hit like I moved on. And at the same time, another one popped up and another one popped up. Uh, Curtis Valentine sharing his kids stuff. Uh, Steve Perry sharing his kids stuff. And, and, you know, and I'm liking them and I'm liking them. And then I'm in these groups, these Facebook groups. And I wish that I could show the people listening or watching this, what I see in these groups, but I can't because these are people's private lives. They're the, you know, they're, they're sharing, but they're not necessarily being for it to be shared here. They're sharing with our group and with our, our networks and with their Facebook networks. Black men, you know, spending extra time at work to, to, to make sure that they have a good graduation for their kids, the making sure that their daughter gets the prom dress that she wants. So they're putting in extra time. You know, some of these go viral. Some of them don't. Many of them are around co-parenting. Uh, the messages are around. They're just like straight up love messages for, for children, no matter how they express it. That's what's, what they're saying. And every time I, I like look at those, it just it's like I'm living in two different worlds because that's the reality. That's the reality of black life and black people. And then there's the media portrayal of us, which I'm sick of. And some of us even participate in it. I'm going to hand it off. Uh, I don't want to get too messy about this. Ray will know exactly who I'm talking about, though. <laughs> there's some of us that are like on the conservative side of things, black men who are out here tweeting about black fatherlessness being the root of all of our problems. And uh, I don't know what world they live in. And in many cases, honestly, if you look at their social network feeds or whatnot, they're completely divorced from black people and black life. They're talking about black, other black men as if they don't know any. But what's interesting about them, and I've made this observation before, is when I look at their social media feed, they're sharing what they do with their kids, too. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you're a good dad, but you don't think they're any more like you. You think you're special. You think you're different because you're conservative. You think that, well, you know, of course, I take care of my kids. Man, listen, white males, and this isn't to drag them, but it's just to say they could be on their third or fourth mistress with their eight kids that they've never seen in their entire life. And white men are never saddled with the fatherlessness uh, uh, stereotype or the bad dad stereotype. Neither is any other group of men like black men are. And I'm sick of it. This was the year. This is the show. This is the time to knock it off. Just to say we're not going to be invisible anymore. We know too many people in our networks that are uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing as fathers and uncles and cousins and men in other people's lives or whatnot. Uh, Cynthia Rose says, drag him. <laughs> I'll hand it to Ray. Ray, you drag somebody. I'm not going to drag him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, I don't, I don't even have to drag him because this week, uh, Reef is going to get busy, and so we'll take it from there. Um, right, Reef? We in there, bro. We in all right, there. that's what's up. That, that, that's all the energy I need. All right. And so, for those of you that are out there, y'all know Reef is doing something this week and, and uh, fill in the blanks. Uh, beyond that, uh, Chris, you pushed me, bro, because I'm, I'm, I, you made me research uh, fatherlessness or this uh, this trope, this racist trope 
around uh you know how they portray black men. And so uh pretty much how they how they do how they how they're framing this narrative is that if you're not you're looking at it from the marital status, and that's how they're looking at involvement, right? But if you look at the straight involvement, 59.5% of black men are involved uh, heavily in their in their kids' life, and that's the highest percent of involvement of any race of men. And so definitely wanted to put that out there. Uh, we are not going to be invisible. Uh, we are in these streets. We're in these parent streets. Um, I know for a fact uh, folks that are in my network are, are super involved as parents. Uh, those people that are in schools do everything that they can in order to bring black men out. And one thing that I, I, I've, I've known uh, as a school leader is that if you want black men to come, invite them. Make them feel invited. Make them feel welcome. And if they feel welcome, then they're coming to support their kids because that's what we do. Yeah, man, this is a I mean, this is great stuff. I mean, I I really appreciate how you all are, you know, are framing it. You know, I'll just mention like I I have too many uh, babas to even uh, start shouting them out. (laughs) You know, um, know, I, I think. You know, when I when I think about my upbringing, both as a professional as well as a person, you know, uh, the black men who've been there, um, both as fathers and father figures uh, have been absolutely amazing. Like just just stellar representations of of leadership, of care, of love, of, uh, you know, just sage advice and wisdom. You know, and, and these men are, are folks that I look up to. Like and I can't even you know, I can't even. uh you know, carry their, their shoes, but they still, you know, uh, implanted something that I hope to just be able to pass, you know, pass on. And when you, when you hear about people, you know, as a black community, we often say like, Hey, you know what, this is the only group that has to represent everyone, you know, just as Chris Mm -hmm. articulated, you know, but then, you know, at the same time, then you can, folks can turn to black, black men, black fathers and say, oh, well, you got to represent the entire group. I thought we all agreed that we didn't have to (laughs) carry that mantle and just say, oh, you know, and and you see that with any group that uh, society wants to marginalize. You know, I I see it with Muslims. I see it with black folks. I see it with uh, brown folks, right? They're like, oh, well, you have to represent. As you said, you know, a white person can be looked at as an individual all day long. And when you work, as as Ray mentioned, when you work in schools and education, like I always saw black men, <laughs> you know, like sometimes I would, you know, people would fly me out. Hey, can you talk? How do we get black fathers? I'm like, how are you stopping them from coming? Like, I, I, I have never I've never experienced that across three schools and 26 years working in schools. Um, we've always seen just uh, amazing fathers, you know, stepping in for their children, for other people's children, for the community, for the school showing up. You know, I worked for the Joala Scouts for years and this was a voluntary group of men who trained young um, young uh, boys in outdoorsmanship. And like, I mean, some of these brothers, man, this is what I'm talking about, like in all of them, they've been doing it for like 20 and 30 years, volunteering. Thousands of children that they've impacted and youth. And again, back to like what uh, Cole talks about, out of school time, you know, talking about like camping and trips to Canada and, you know, trips to the beach in North Carolina and showing them how to pitch tents, how to start a fire, how to make repairs, how to do basic engineering. The list goes on. So shout out to shout out to these black men who show who, who they don't care what the noise is about black men. 
they just show up and do what they love doing, which is supporting the children and the communities that they uh, that they love. So, yeah. I think you're on mute, Charles. My bad. I said that was beautiful, man. But let's stay here for a little bit. Right. Like what you know, some y'all, y'all, all of y'all pointed to somebody that y'all have looked at or that's kind of helped you. But what what were they doing? Right. Like what you know, what needs to be done? Right. Like y'all are really good with practical stuff. Like so what are they getting right? Like what are their struggles? You know, what's unseen about that work? And let, let's just go in reverse order, man. Like Sharif, let's just start with you. Let's let you know. And, and, and if you need some tips, get your get your pens out. But before you go, Sharif. Mm-hmm. from my producer. We need y'all to like, we need y'all to share, we need you to comment and share it so, you know, we want people to see this. I know the game is on, I know it's Father's Day, but one of the things that we want to do is make sure we honoring our people. Like, we want them to feel welcome, we want them to feel appreciated, and it doesn't happen a lot. So, you know, drop that like, drop that share, and let us know when you shared it so we can show you some love on screen as well. Uh, Sharif, go ahead and pick it up, brother. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the first thing I think about is what uh, Malcolm X uh, used to say is that the most revolutionary thing a black man can do is build a strong, cohesive family unit. And so the fathers in my lives, both my biological father, my stepfather, uh, Baba Changa, my favorite teacher ever. um, That's what they were doing. They were building strong, cohesive units, both uh, families within the homes as well as, um, you know, outside of the homes and that that school connection. Um, you know, I saw, uh, you know, this, uh, this one father, he put in, in a group, uh, a meme. And I thought about, you know, the parents and that I've been involved with and engaged with where it was a picture of a boy and the son and the son saying, you know, the father saying, Hey, you know, watch your step. And the child saying dad, you know, make sure you watch your step too. Cause I'm following your footsteps. And that's to me what the fathers that who've been in my life, that's what they've done. They've, they've led by example. Uh, you know, many of them were not extroverts. They weren't out giving speeches and things like that, but they were leading by example of how to take responsibility, how to be, uh, how to be a leader, how to set up, make sacrifices so that we as children could, uh, could advance. And to me, that's what I, I saw and all these folks who were just like absolute heroes to me, they made sacrifices. Uh, you know, my father made sacrifices. My my uncles make sacrifices. Like my, my cousins, the the teachers that I see, they're making sacrifices to ensure that uh, they have these cohesive units, uh, both within their family, within their community, within their schools. And to me, that's that's a absolutely uh, vital piece. Mm. You know. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that, man. Ray, you know, what's some of the things that you learned and picked up? You know, what can you transfer to some other folks? Yeah, man. So uh, in Louisiana, we had uh, a basketball league. It was called Baby Basketball. And so um, basically it's training you for a 10 foot goal. And uh, it's on eight and a half foot rims. So uh, for like age eight to 11 or, or 12, I had a coach. His name was Bo Elsie. And um you know, he had a son that was around my age, one of, one of my best friends uh, down south. Uh, had, uh, same name as him, Ree Elzy. Um, and uh, man, he just he just taught us like life lessons or whatever in terms of like basketball being basketball being life, right? And things beyond if you don't go to the NBA, 
like, you know, going to college and just staying on the right path, staying out of the streets, uh, working hard. And like, he was, he was like the perfect model. And so I also had my uncle, my uncle BB, um, and my uncle BB, he didn't graduate from, he didn't graduate from, from high school, my understanding. Right. And so, um, like close to his senior year, he got into some trouble and just like forgot about school, but he worked for the, uh, the, the Rex department, uh, in, 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 uh, the town that I live in, in Louisiana. And, uh, he's the first person in my family to, Actually, no, he was the second person in my family to obtain a pension. Uh, first person in my immediate family, right? And so, you know, he's so always rag on him about, yeah, you know, Uncle BB crazy, he's this, that, and blah, but he's crazy like a fox. Because now, for the rest of his young life, uh, he has a pension that he's going to be living off of. And that, you know, and then he always, like, he has two kids. Well, he has three kids, or two in the possible. But anyway... It's not a spades. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a spades game. But the, the the two kids that I know that I grew up with, bad as hell. But he loved them to death, right? Because that's just his energy, right? And so, uh, I took my father and tips from my uncle, and I remember bringing my kids down south, and like him interacting with them, like they were his own kids, and he was just like, "Man, yo, you got some smart kids." Like Raymond, you got some smart kids, because <laughs> they talk kind of fast down there, and then. Um, you know, I was raised by my uncle. So my uncle Jeff, who's probably in the audience right now, I learned a lot from him as well. He, um, unfortunately, for like a good stint of my life, he was incarcerated. But the things that he learned while he was incarcerated, uh, he would he would send me things, send me articles, lead me in the right direction in terms of me not following his path. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I owe a lot of black men, man. And so that's why I do what I do in terms of giving back, because I think that it's essential uh, for us uh, to, to be, be that beacon of light for those folks that are coming after us. That's what's up, man. Chris, who, who are some of the people that, that, that helped you get to this point and what you got to share with us? Um, I'll say I was very lucky. Uh, so with my own father, my my dad, uh, you know, I think I picked up a lot from him in terms of he always respected intelligence. He always respected uh, um, smarts and things that I still do today that mimic a lot of what he did. If my dad wanted to learn how to do something, he would learn how to do it. He would pick up he he would pick up all the books. I would see him spend six weeks, for instance, reading about sailing because he would want to go sailing. I would see him uh, uh, get deep into things like chess because he wanted to master it, master the game. And just by watching it and then him challenging me on it, he was tough. Uh, he would he wasn't the type of dad would let you win in chess, for instance, <laughs> he just, the way to win in chess with my dad was to win, to actually win. It's not like the type of father that I am today, <laughs> which, uh, like I worry about things like self-esteem and stuff. So, um, um, but it was important to have somebody who, uh, who cared about the way that you spoke and the way that you read and what you knew about the world. And uh, I can just even remember him challenging what I was learning in school. It was one of my lessons to say that there's more in the world to learn than just what they're teaching you at school. And those type of things stuck with me. With my stepdad, my stepdad is a different dude in, in, in total from my dad. My stepdad is, is a model of like unconditional 
love, like just a model. You know that this dude will be consistent the way he is 10 years ago, yesterday, and 10 years from now uh, in terms of this is the dude who's going to cheer you on always. No matter what you're doing, going to cheer you on. We'll try and drop some science in now and then, but never too pushy, always positive, always seeing the best in you and pushing you forward. I had a, a, a uncle, uh, Alton, who's like one of the most successful people in my family in terms of education and, and what he did in life, you know, has several patents and all that. And he had multiple very tough minded conversations with me as I was coming up. It's very tough minded, um, but it was all you could tell in all of their cases that they were trying to prepare me for a world that they thought was coming down the pipe. There was like a uh, there was an intelligence in their mind about, no, we're going to sharpen you up for the future. And uh, I'm happy to say that that repeated itself in in other um, like mentorship relationships that I had. But I tell people this all the time. I had like lots of individuals in my life, black men who did things like, you know, one who put a Bible in my hand early on where all the characters were black. I'll never forget this. It was like a Southern Bible. All of the characters were black. It changed my orientation. <laughs> I became a different person overnight because I'd start challenging people based upon all this reading I was doing at home, which was better than my, my school education in some ways. But when I became a dad at 22, all of that dropped out of my body. I had all these great examples of what you could be from different people. But when I came to my own dad, it changed. And I tell people this all the time uh, with my oldest. I think I learned more about fathering and fatherhood by being a father uh, and having to actually do the job uh, year by year. I think I learned a lot more about it uh, from my oldest than I did from the, the men in my life. But at least I had something to draw on. Yeah. You know, yep. I had something to draw on. I think you're on uh, mute again, Hennessy. I know. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of Hennessy. <laughs> it's Hennessy, pineapple yeah. juice, and cranberry. It's a cold manner special. Um, but I like shows like this where I get to kind of just learn from you all and kind of sit back. I'm going to just throw a small audible instead of, you know, just real quick. But I want to ask each of you, and Chris, I'm going to say you for last. And Ray, I want to start with you. Just share some stories about those amazing kids of yours um, and just what it means for you to be their father. Like when, you, when your kid, when your son is graduating X amount of years early and I saw the, the, the picture of him at the, at the, uh, the barbershop the other day, I feel like that boy done just grew like five yeah. inches in the last few weeks, man. Like, yeah. you know, he, he yeah. going to be, he going to be at your throat in a minute, son. Hey, he's already, uh, hey, he's already talking to me with, with the, with the, with the dreads, man. So like you, he's so already you, talk- Did you have to show him that grown man strength yet? I'm not going to bring the hood into this. <laughs> Go ahead. But, nah, right, nah, but nah, talk about him and baby girl real quick, man. Just let me know. Yeah. So with my son, that dude is just naturally gifted and smart, right? And so, like, I try to do my best to, like, push him or whatever. But, like, he's on auto drive in terms of just, like, how he approaches things or whatever. Like, I tell him all the time, I'm like, bro, if I was as smart as you at age 16, because he just turned 16 on the 16th, of June. So I'm like, if I was as smart as you at age 16, we wouldn't know each other right now. Right. Like <laughs> we, we wouldn't, my life would be different if I was that smart at age 16. But you know, um, he, that's going to come up in therapy later. But continue. <laughs> <brother>. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, but uh, 
But you no. know what this Negro said on national TV? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's my that's my dude, man. He's a, he's a really good kid. He's uh he's he's learning the land. He's learning himself at the same time. Um, you know, this year will be a gap year for him. Uh, I, I'm just I'm blessed in the sense that I can give him that year, that I can uh, send him to school, and that he he'll have. You know, uh, he won't come out of school with any debt or anything like that. You know, that that's one that's that's I'm intentional about that kind of stuff and whatnot. Like I already have his college plan gone, you know, set for him. And then with his with with, with my daughter, the crazy thing about it is that like I was mentioning my uncle BB when we were down south, and he was like, The boy is smart, but the girl is smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and she That's shows also going to be brought up in therapy. Continue, brother. Yeah, Man, yo. This bill. But, uh, <laughs> we got good benefits. So it'll be all right. And he's not going to watch this anyway, because they ain't no rap in it. But anyways, um, yo, she, yo, she's amazing. And like her spirit is just different, right? Because she cares about people. And so I can see her like being a doctor or being whatever it is she wants to be. Uh, both of them, right? And so basically what we do with them is just like we try to build their capacity to be thinkers. Um, and by doing that, they show us who they are. But when they go to school every day, they show us that we raise them the right way with how they project and how they protect other people. So that's what we are. Mm. I mean, first off, is it even a gap year if you graduate in two years early? That's just called like earned vacation. I I, yeah, right. I don't know if that's a gap PTO. year. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I don't put in this overtime. You know what I mean? But Ray's getting a lot of questions around that. And y'all make sure y'all smash them like buttons and you subscribe and share. Sharif, I have I've had the, the pleasure of meeting some of your young people and you know, your two baby girls have definitely stolen my heart with their amazing artwork. And I have some pictures to send you and your lovely wife uh, when I get a chance. Uh, our, our our mutual friend's birthday just passed. But but, oh, but share- happy birthday. Yeah. And I'm going to have to hear from your wife. So I know this is coming already. But let me know. Uh, but let me but tell me tell me some stories about them. And what does it mean for you to be their their father? And much like Chris, you have children that are at one generation that are older and then like very, very much younger. So are there any lessons that you learned in between those? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like every child gives you new lessons. Um, you're evolving, you're becoming more mature as a, as a parent. Um, and every, and what, I think one of the biggest things is humility, like really understand, like you don't have it perfected, right? Like I have six children. Each one is different. And each one uh, brings out uh, Damn, I just yeah. want you to know that's a full basketball team and a sub, my guy. Six. Damn, you know? Reef. It's not enough for a soccer team, though, you know? So it all depends on your orientation. <laughs> Do you want more? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's all I'm just saying. I'm you know, grabbing my imaginary pearls. My Lord. Go ahead, man. You know, no, I, I just think that, you know, if, if we can, you know, it's not just about, like, what we teach children. I, you know, I th- really look at it from the spiritual sense, like what they can teach us what we can learn from them. I think we become better human beings when we are trying to parent differently. Um, And, you know, I I think children, raising children is hard, no matter, you know, uh, what angle you're coming from. If it's, if you have one, you know, people like, Oh, you have uh, six kids. That must be so hard. I'm like, having one child is hard. You know, having one child might be harder than having six children. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because in some ways, because six children, they're running, they're playing. One child, all of your attention has to be right there, you know, um, with them. But I I think 
Are you trying to get ready to have more kids? Is that what you're trying to do right now? Is that what's happening? Because <laughs> Chris got a lot of kids too. Chris got some damn kids up there too. So yeah, Ray, they're trying I mean, to get you, right? Yeah, drink that water. They're trying to get you. Bro. Listen, bro, I got I, you know, I'm just used to big family. You know, I have seven siblings and you know, um four boys, four girls, six children. Um, all my children are like, we're not having a lot of kids themselves. So, you know, so I think that's, uh, you know, that's ended in the, in the tradition here, but, you know, I, th- I think learning from, from, from children, you know, and I think of, you know, sometimes some of the challenges and even how I'm different as a, you know, as, as Chris said, as a 22 year old father to a 50 year old child, uh, father, that's just different. You know, it is, it is, Damn, it is so saying? different. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about that and think about like, you know, well, thankfully, like they've helped me grow. They've helped me to understand things differently. They've helped me to uh, think about things, uh, you know, differently. And, you know, so for that, I'm I'm grateful because we're all on a path. Right. We're all on this journey. And sometimes we look at, you know, oh, you're a parent, your father. That means you have to be looked at as the expert. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm just not the expert of. Right. And I'm particularly not the expert of what world they're going to grow up into. Right. And so really, what are the things that I can do to support them? Um, and what do I have to learn? You know, I, I think that the whole honeybee thing is a great example. That was my son's project. It was when he went off to Penn State that I had to learn. He was like, hey, you know, take care of my bees while I'm gone. I'm like, oh, really? I had to learn. Yeah, Penn State. Really? Talk, talk that big talk, Penn State, baby. <laughs> that was, you know, that was his project, right? And so that was something that I learned. When my daughter wanted to learn, wanted to play lacrosse or become an equestrian, those are things I had no, I didn't do. I rode horses before, but not as an equestrian. I wasn't jumping over um, barriers and stuff. So those are things I had to learn from them they were taking a lead so that that whole idea of like giving allowing them to have the confidence and the curiosity um to me that, those are the three things is the third c is the care you know caring for them the curiosity and and just creating those kind of conditions where they can be uh you know they can be curious they can be exposed to different things they're not being shut down they're you know they're they're kind of like you know free range kids you know um and I think that allows me to kind of watch and learn and and be curious as as they're being curious. Mm, that's what's up, man. And 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 the only reason I wanted to save Chris is just because of who our super producer is and and my own relationship with this cat. I love this dude. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting your other kids, but I get to. I feel like I know him because I see social media. But what does it mean for you to be able to work with your son, man? Like, what is what does that mean for you to be able mm. to? see a part of you out there that is actually adding value. Like he ain't here on no charity stuff. I work that cat. Um, and I'm building another wing of my company with that, with that dude in mind. So what does that mean for you, Chris? And you can veer off and talk about your other babies as well, but you know, I wanted to show Josh a little bit of love. So make the producer cry in the background. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, my entire, uh, from day one, Josh is my oldest. So what the, from day one, I had a vision just of this could be anything like like I just want this this child to get whatever it takes just to be themselves, whoever he's going to turn out to be. And I had no idea who that would be. But I watched year by year, watch it unfold and how it happened. Uh, I don't feel like I gave any strong guidance of like you must be this or you must be that, because I think one of the best things my family did was allow me to just be me. (laughs) 
Uh, um, so, uh, so seeing him, I mean, he's heard me tell the story a million times, putting him in the kindergarten. I had no idea what was going to happen after that. And year by year, I got a little bit more comfortable with the fact that, uh, that he was, he was going to do well. He's going to, you know, be able to <clears throat> ace school just enough. But man, when he graduated from college and then he left right away and went and taught in South Korea, came back for a while and then went and taught, I think, in the Philippines. I think at some point, even while in Wait, college. Wait, Josh, like, Josh did all this? Mm-hmm. What the Josh, hell? We ain't never, I ain't never heard. Did y'all know this, fellas? I didn't know this. At all. Yeah, Josh was a yeah, ELA teacher, yeah. I think, uh, and uh, I think it was an ELA teacher and one other subject. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, in the South Korea, the Philippines, and he did it, I think, for a semester while he's still in college in, in Chile. And one of the only reason I tell this story is he was doing all this when I didn't even have a passport. Right. Like, so you want to talk about you just got a passport last week. I just got it. I did. I literally just got one. Not last week, but I mean, in the last year. You on game. We're we're proud of you, Chris. That's that's growth. Listen, we got to continue to grow. (laughs) I mean, listen, when he was I was 22 when he was born, I was working in restaurants. But the idea that I was going to be traveling anywhere, that I was going to be going to Dubai and stopping by and taking pictures like he does, the, the idea that I would be able to set my own schedule and work from home and have people, you know, give me contracts to do creative work and whatnot couldn't have been more out of my league. It was on a different planet. So that my son actually is somebody who came out of what we were living in, the apartment lifestyle <laughs> and now um, has been to Dubai and to, to Paris and to France and to Mexico is big on the traveling by himself. All of that. Uh, nothing but like everyday pride. Chris, just just right. hold I believe on. it. Stop Chris, leaving want, your no, dad at home. Wait, wait, man. hold on. Hold on, Sharif. Hold on, Sharif. I want to come back to this. I want to come back to this. Don't don't leave yet. Uh, I want you to stay in this story, Chris. Josh, yeah. turn your camera on and bring your ass on this stage. Uh, this is an executive decision. Um, come on out. I want we we about to have us a damn moment that's going to bring people together. Go ahead. Can you finish the story, brother? Can I finish the story? Yes, finish the damn oh, story. Yeah. This is yes. yeah. So and this I, is I'm, my son. This is yeah. Josh. This is uh, this is my oldest and my pride and joy, my firstborn, uh, who I love immensely and who I've learned we've been through. Many years and many different things together uh, from my 20s to my 30s to now seeing him like drive up today, come over and seeing him with his younger siblings. Like one key memory that I have is when he went to college uh, and he was first like like we were moving him in his uh, his brother. I forgot how old Soren would have been. So Soren was a toddler probably then and helping him move in and helping him pop the bubbles, you know, and uh, on the the wrap on his, his uh, furniture and helping him set things up. And he just felt so industrious. And as we were driving away, my, my toddler says, Oh, I can't wait to go to college. <laughs> Cause he was watching his older brother go to college, man. That messed me up. Like, like all of it messed me up, bringing Josh to college, leaving him there, but then seeing his younger brother, just take it for granted that this is something that you do. This is what life looks like. And they all look up to Josh now, you know, he's got three younger siblings who are, uh, uh, 
you know, still in the pipeline. And uh, and the way that they talk about it is night and day than my 22 year old self, the life that I was living, the way that I lived, the jobs that I had. They saw this dude go all the way through, you know, through the years and whatnot and come out the other end. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing. So, Josh, I love you, uh, my son, my pride and joy, my firstborn. Love you, Pops. Thanks for this moment, Charles. <laughs> now, now bring us all back on stage and get back to work. But uh, no, Josh, if you have a comment, what do you, what do you, what do you have to say? Let's 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 go ahead and have this moment, man. We and we we just glad we get to be witness to it. I'll just say quick because like one thing that all of you talked about was like uh, raising thinking people, like that it's cool to be smart, not pushing a kid into any one. Um, direction and I think that's something my dad's always done is like you know you do you academics education is very important so that you have those opportunities and like the options to do those things but after that it's all it's on you so I was able to travel I was able to do teaching abroad because I had a college degree like I had to get through the steps and then after that it was all me and I found like I like photography I like videography I like editing I'm in this education space also but all because like of my dad and just the opportunities afforded to me and since y'all gonna make me uh you know be have a proud moment I'm gonna say there is a video on YouTube not YouTube on BT that Josh shot and did directed and shot. So look it up, Josh, tell them what the video is. <clears throat> There's an artist called Stokely. Um, you guys are a little bit older of a crowd. <laughs> the band New Condition, R&B band. So the front man Stokely, I do. I was like touring with him as a photographer, videographer, and then just ended up shooting a music video for him that's on BET. And since I'm bragging, I also just had a Kelly Clarkson live performance on TV. So I got a couple on national TV right now. And if you go to mixtype.com, you can hit the contact page and book me for creative endeavors. And then I'm going to just bounce on that. So peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's that really was, that dope, man. That's really, really good. You know what's funny about this dude on that Stokely tours on all these tickets with like the SOS band and BBD. Yeah, And I don't think he knows who half of these people are. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I think he knew Mary J. Blige, but, you know, Belle Biv DeVoe and all that probably before his time. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Well, I, I know that I know I know that was a that was a curveball, Chris. So don't 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 get mad at me. But I wanted to, you know, we, we, we have moments here, man. So it's all good. Uh, fellas, you know, uh, just if, if y'all want to just weigh in uh, real quick. Um, you know, I love y'all thoughts about that moment, man. Uh, Star my guy Ray, and just for the record, y'all, I just I love, I like these brothers. I love their family. Like so, <laughs> I just want to just say, man, no, all no, in all seriousness and, and and no jokes, like I really do love the hell out of these fellas. Like y'all see me and Ray arguing here, but that's my friend in real life. Like I'll punch somebody for Ray. So if I do that for him, imagine what I do if you fuck with his kids. Uh, the same for Sharif's and Chris. That's just my promise. And love to you all. But Ray, just thoughts, um, you know, and, and let's respond to that before we move to the next little topic. No doubt, bro. The love is mutual, man. You're my guy. 
Uh, I, I love uh, your creative side and I love the things that you're doing. Uh, you work, you like one of the hardest working men in show business. And uh, we got the world famous Reef. Uh, if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know Reef, then you're not really an educator, right? And then we got uh, the troublemaker, uh, Mr. Stewart, uh, the guy that makes me lose tr- uh, Twitter followers. Uh, Whatever. I think you fight me for that title, <laughs> brother. You go ahead. <laughs> hey, but listen, hey, that moment was beautiful, man, because like, you know, we work with Josh and, and we know how talented he is, man. And to know that he was raised as being a free thinker, right? And that's why he's in the space that he's in. Uh, I'm excited to learn that, you know, he was, uh, he had taught abroad and he had, you know, all these all these types of uh yo bro I, I if i if i had to do it all over again man i, I wish i would have had some of those adventures um and what I, I probably would have did peace corps or something like that um you know just to make myself more well-rounded in terms of like how i show up so having those opportunities um that's just learning that is gonna definitely uh make me put some things in my son's ear about the possibilities of what he can do so uh thank you guys for that thank you guys for that moment thank you guys for being uh vulnerable in terms of like just showing people that it's all right to love your kids right um mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important uh you know everybody wants to be tough all the time but when it comes down to my kids shit i cry i cry a lot uh when my daughter falls it, it's like i fell it's like my it's my injury so that's that's my injury mm-hmm. Reef, how was that moment for you, good brother? And, oh, and I loved you, it. Man. And you so lucky that the girls ain't like old enough to be on this thing. Oh, you <laughs> so lucky. I because they're my homies. They write, they make me portraits, brother. So what's your what's your response, man? No, I, I listen, I loved it. I, I think anytime that you know, when you watch uh, a father-son connection, um, it's 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 just it's a beautiful thing. I, I was thinking about as they were talking, I was thinking about this uh, you know, the saying is hadith, uh, somebody came up to Prophet Muhammad and he was like, Yeah, I don't I don't kiss my son. And he said, you know what, the disease that you have in your heart is is gonna be problematic. It might be cured if you actually embrace and kiss and love your child, like right, like being father ain't being hard and tough and you know, and I think sometimes people mis- misunderstand it. It's actually, you know, it's actually ultimately love. And and so when you get to see that um over and over and over again, um, you know, it's dope. And I think, you know, I think if you you know, when you get to work with your child. You know, I think that's just something um, just extremely special. You know, I know I felt that with my mother as an educator, um, being able mm. to do that. And so and watching, you know, watching you all, you know, been doing work, you know, they we've all traveled together and 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 did shows and, and all those kind of things. And to be able to, uh, you know, to see that, uh, you know, it's, it's dope. And I love. Yeah, I. I think if it's one thing, you know, and it's expensive and everybody, you know, can't do it. But if your child can travel, um, you know, find ways to support them to do that. I I, I just uh, I think I remember my son, my oldest son, he was like, I want to go to Iran. My At the time, I still had siblings who were living there. I was like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm here. What are you talking about? You want to he's like, I want to get that opportunity, too. So he ended up going and staying with, um, mm. you know, with my younger brother. And, you know, and he was he was 15, 16. And he but he wanted to go to you know, uh, go see a glimpse of how I grew up. He wanted to catch a glimpse of that. And I think if, if it's things like that, that we can kind of pull the curtain back a little bit and share with, uh, you know, with our, with our, uh, progeny, it's, it's can be, uh, can be really important because all this stuff is not just about what impacts our children. 
this stuff that we do as fathers, it impacts our grandchildren, our great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Like, so ultimately, it's some. not. Yeah, yeah. If we're gonna have some, yeah. And it, even if not that ripple, <laughs> they're gonna touch somebody, right? Like, even yeah. if it's not a biological, it. You know, I, I have students. So I call my grand students. It's like what I poured into their their parents. Now I see them and they're there and they're like, hey, you know what? I teach them what you taught me in in classroom as an eighth grader using things fall apart. Those some of those lessons um, where I'm using with my child. Those are my grand students, man. And it's, it's mm. just a beautiful thing to, um, to see. Yo, you know, I got I mean, one that's a, a Gates Millennial Scholar, man. One of my grand students, man. I'm so proud of, of, of them. And it's like. Like, oh crap, this is amazing. Like the, the ripples continue. They they just they don't stop. So, you know, all fathers just keep it up, even on the rough days, know that it it, it matters. It matters tons. I mean, Sharif, you just talking like a man that want more kids, and I don't understand it. I don't I, it doesn't make sense to me. But uh it just doesn't. Josh, make sure we get them, make sure we get them comments up, except for the cat on YouTube that's wildin' wildin'. Uh this, this cat is wildin'. Uh but just just to move to the final uh piece of this, right? Um, you know, what what are some of the public policies that have hindered black fathering? Like what are what are some of the things? Cause this ain't you know, the, the rap on black dads or brown dads being bad dads or absent didn't happen by itself. There was a whole conglomerate around it, like white folks don't abandon their kids. It happens in every race. But you would think that black dads, the only ones that, you know, have some of these issues that they're dealing with. So let's just start there. And Chris, let's start with you. Um, you know, what are some of the public policies that you think has contributed to this narrative that the three black dads that I just saw that we just had that moment with that we get to know their kids from? Like, what is something that has negated the narrative that we just witnessed? Can I just like just tell a quick story that might you, you, you can know, do whatever you want, up. brother? We own this. So at 19, no, let's say about 21. 21, 22, I think I was doing temp work when Josh was born. So I was a temp worker. And I can remember sitting with one of the agencies that I did the most work for because they would continuously send me back out for new jobs and they were helping me find work and it was working out. And uh, I was slowly but surely getting paid a little bit more money, like 50, 75 cents here and there with each job that they would send me out for. I was working my butt off to try and like, like really do better. I can remember being in, in a meeting with one of them. The woman who was helping me at the agency got very friendly with me and got, you know, very interested in me being successful. And she offered me like a great job that was like maybe four or five dollars more than I had ever made before on on the next assignment because I had done so well for her. No lie. Like sitting there in front of her, she says, oh, and she stopped for a second and she swung her 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 computer around and showed me that in one of the fields there was a code. And what that code meant was they they it was a demographic code. Um, this would have been, I think, a front office job and they wanted a white woman for it specifically for this office. Mm. Um, and she's like, dang, that would have been so perfect for you, too. Now, this is something that would get you canceled today. This is something that would. But I lost money because of that. Right. And what Josh can tell you about my 20s as a dad with him was there were times where the energy got shut off. 
There were times when the lights got shut off. There were times where the car didn't start. (laughs) And we live in Minnesota. (laughs) Uh, There were times where things weren't working out. There were times where it was like hot dogs and and, uh, uh, mac and cheese, that sort of thing, right? I'm just saying that employment and opportunity and economic opportunity and the way that the rules work or whatnot and the way that oftentimes it feels like it's more expensive to be poor. Like we did the whole payday loan thing before we did the whole kind of like hold our check and, you know, take an exorbitant amount out of it or whatnot. We did rent a center that came up in one of the previous shows here where, you know, like one day somebody just Boy, that rent a center grind, bro. <laughs> they want their money every week cuz. Not only do they want their money Every week, bruh, they will come in your house they will and take you will be sitting shit. on the floor. <laughs> right? So, this is... That's only for the people that know for real. This ain't like the best answer to your question, but the only reason I'm bringing <laughs> this up is if people care so much about Black fathers and they think that Black fathers are, are so important and like, you know, all, all of our issues in the Black community are on the fact that we need Black fathers to be there, then... I want them to ask the question that you're asking. What are the policies that you support uh, that help black fathers be solvent? Did you support the war on drugs? Did you support, uh, uh, do you support kind of uh, uh, discrimination in the work fields, right? I've had, um, I've had three or four different careers where being black was a detriment in all three or four of them, right? So I just, I'll put it out there just to say, you know, my personal story, I just kept plugging away at what I do, but the system is not geared for, for strong black fathers to be strong black fathers. And I was by no means perfect. Um, but oftentimes when you're not a black father, you don't have to be perfect to still ascend. And I watched it happen in, in many situations where people uh, were ascending uh, because the systems aren't right. <laughs> That's a roundabout way of answering your question, but I actually think we need to we need to think about the policies that support strong black fathers if we think that they're important. Mm. Well, I'm going to reef next. So, uh, you know, Ray, you on deck uh, with the same question. But just, you know, if you have a commentary on some of the public policies or some of the public perception that has probably hindered black and brown dads uh, or just black dads, whatever you choose, Sharif and then Ray, you on deck, bro. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is, uh, you know, really personal. Um, You know, people are talking about mass incarceration, um, but we need to recognize that we have uh, black fathers, um, you know, who've been locked up for 50 years, you know, 40, 45 of them in solitary confinement. So there's mass incarceration. Um, It didn't happen. Uh, it, It didn't just start happening. If you watch the documentary, uh, 13th, you see that there was a long, um, history of that, you know, um, uh, my father, uh, because of his political activity, he, I was a teacher when he got out, um, of, of, uh, being incarcerated, you know, and this again is talking about like the sacrifices, you know, um, how many black men, black fathers, uh, because of their love for their community, um, took a stance and, uh, the whole weight of the, you know, the government, um, particularly, you know, in, um, in our cities and elsewhere, like everywhere, like it's not even one place, like how hard it comes down. And when I think about that, you know, um, you know, I told a little bit of this story on, on the moth, um, one time just sharing like, you know, the impact of seeing, 
you know, my father is in one of these iconic images uh, when Rizzo uh, raided the Black Panther headquarters and then had a uh, black men strip, you know, and so he, uh, him and his comrades are in boxers and handcuffs and they had afros. And I remember as a child, like it, it could have been traumatic, but as a child, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have an Afro and wear boxers because that's what revolutionaries wear, right? Because that was the impact that it had on me. But I also know a lot of sons where it has a, a different type of impact, um, you know, seeing their father. Um, for me, I think it just added something, um, you know, to me. So it added some fire to me. Uh, but I'm, I, I also know personally, um, as well as professionally, like how that, uh, that experience for children, um, has a, a radically different, um, you know, impact on them. And so I think this whole idea of, uh, mass incarceration or just trying to imprison and control and shackle, uh, black men, um, has a long tradition in this country. And when I think about that, um, you know, I, I have I have three brothers. We've all been brutalized by the police. We've all been assaulted. We've all experienced police brutality. You know, four brothers, four sons, you know, um, and for us to experience and not only do we experience it as a youth, I experienced that as a principal. Right. And so it's not just like, you know, oh, well, you know, this, you know, because, you know, folks are quick to say, well, you know, you're a wrong place, wrong time or you were doing this. Well, I one of the times I was actually leaving my building. So I was exactly where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing, which is serving my community and my building. Um, and so when I think about like what policies impact um, our fathers, um, and our sons and, and uh, future fathers, it's the, the racist uh, criminal court system, right? Um, we, we had Michael Cord on, on, on uh, Freedom Fridays uh, a few months ago. One of the things he said as a lawyer, like he chose law to go and fight, but he said, I don't go for justice. I go to expose the injustice. That's why he became a lawyer, not to get justice, to expose the injustice. And to me, that is probably one of the biggest uh, things. And it also has other impact. When we're talking about fatherhood, if we're not thinking about future fathers and how we treat black boys in schools, um, I think there's a, a very deep connection between these institutions, uh, both for the boy experience, um, boy, young men, and then adult. Um, mm -hmm. Both of those institutions, I think, have a uh, you know, colossal negative impact on fatherhood. Um, and black men in general. That that was a deep ass answer. I'm sorry, Raymond, that you got to go after what that. <laughs> I mean, it was a good answer, Sharif. It was. Um, great. I, mean, I was just. I mean, that was the that was the policy that came yeah. to mind first. You know, I feel that, you. Personal, I, you, know, you know. You know when Sharif pull out one or two quotes, this is Ray. That's my. My Ray answered the question. My bad, brother. You know what I'm saying? Ray got, Ray got a policy that Ray, he that listen, he's, all, uh, all of us have great answers, bro. But it'd be like you be pulling like quotes from like I, I, where this nigga get this quote from? Where how'd that happen? Ray, <laughs> what did the public? I loved it. I loved it, Sharif. Uh, I like Ray. these books. I cannot lie. You know, I don't know where, <laughs> what did I say? He, look, he never look, attributes the quotes. Ray, Ray, I am on your side for whatever sub shots you take it, Sharif, on this one. But it was a good answer. Go ahead, but. PhD. Go ahead, PhD. <laughs> but Ray, uh, what are some public policies that you think hinder, yeah. hinder fathers after Sharif done went? My bad, bro. I so, love you. The, the first that comes to mind, man, I, I, I always uh, go back to that Biden, Biden crime bill. And the reason why, I go there is just because of the, the um, just how it attacked the black community. Um, just the, the ratios between 
uh, crack cocaine and and uh, and regular cocaine, like these laws intentionally like went after uh, African American men um, at disproportionate rates. If you look at incarceration as a whole, um, you know it, it. You look at like low achievement. So if you look at the majority of the folks that are incarcerated, uh, their reading level is like eighth grade or lower. Right. And so for me, that kind of starts in the schools in terms of like what's deterring them from wanting to come to school? How unwelcoming is school to the point to where, uh, you know, you decide that, hey, I don't even want to go to school. I'd rather do a life of crime. And that takes me to my time in Baltimore City because, you know, I would have kids that would be absent. And then when I would ask them, I was like, Yo, well, why are you not coming to school? And the response is, I make more money in a couple of days than you make the whole year kind of thing. It kind of helps you to put things into perspective in terms of like why folks make the choices that they make. Not that they're good choices, not that I'm judging the choices. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is, is, is like black unemployment. Uh, when you hear these unemployment numbers that are like record low, uh, sub four, it's never sub four in our communities, right? It's always in double digits, always in like, you know, the, the, the low twenties in terms of like unemployment for, for, for black communities. And it makes me think about James Evans and, 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 and the folks that we saw growing up struggling as black men. And then how that, how that struggle leads to like health, health issues or whatever, because like, you know, you're putting all this pressure on yourself and whatnot. And then the next thing you know, it's like, man, you're stroking out because there's just things that are outside of your control that probably should be more into your control. And college is not necessarily the answer for everybody. So, you know, when folks are like, hey, just go to college, that's not, college is not for everybody. So we need to have like an alternative plan in terms of like trade schools and, you know, putting people in positions to where they can be great that may not have college in, in, in their in their thoughts. And then also, because um, Reef uh, talked about just like mass incarceration, I think about how people come home and how you come home is extremely important, right? Because if you don't come home to anything, then you're going to do the same things that got you there, right? Because that's the only way that you know. And a lot of times folks go to prison and, you know, from my hometown, they call prison college because you go and you learn how to be a better criminal because it doesn't necessarily reform you or reform your thinking. Um, there's some trade programs in, uh, in in a prison called Angola. Uh, I was talking to my cousin the other day and he was like, yeah, you know, I learned how to weld weld in, uh, in Angola. And I'm like, Angola, that's like a maximum security prison. And then he was breaking it down to me like, you know, there, there are different satellite uh prison components, right? So like you have a prison component that's like for like murderers and then you got people that may not have done things of that nature that now have the opportunity to kind of learn skills and then go home and, and use those skills. But then my concerns for that is, you know, if, you, if you're coming home and you have a skill, but then you got to check a box saying that, you know, you 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 committed a felony. It's like that's take that's like, you know, you're taking 10 steps forward only to take 15 steps back. So in terms of me thinking about plans for us, like just give us a damn chance, man. Like th- 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 that's that's my energy, man. Like if you you know, regardless of if you if you made if you made a mistake, you paid your debt to society. That should just be it. 
Yeah, well, listen, I appreciate the hell out of all three of y'all, to be real with you. And, you know, I know we're over. I'm going to go into final thoughts, but I also think... You know, you all talked about like those public policies or whatever. I visited both my parents in jail uh, and I'm not going to act like parents was wilding. Man's was wilding. My pops was wilding. Right. He was wilding. But I do think that if the system uh, but he was an addict, just like my mother was an addict. And I think that if the system would have found a certain type of compassion for them that they have, that they're finding for white people now on this opioids thing, I think that my, my relationship with my parents would be very different. Um, you know, my parents are who they are. You know what I'm saying? I think the in- I was interested in Chris and Sharif's answers because they have older kids who got to see there's a there's a significant gap and got to see them with younger kids. And I know as that older kid who is six and eight years older than my siblings, I remember seeing like my dad do things for my siblings. And I'd be like, nigga, where was this at when I needed it? Right. But but um, but I do think that, uh, you know, it's some things are just complicated. Um, and I just appreciate all of you all stories. And Ray, I think you did a really good job coming out to Sharif. I, I actually appreciate that story. I'm going to fix that for next time, brother. And I appreciate all the angles that you got in this show mm-hmm. that people got to get. You got a Dutch angle going right now where it's like sideways, you know, but I like it though. I like it. It's like you and the first Thor. That's how they shot it. Um, let's go into final thoughts. And Ray, I'm going to have you lead off. I know you don't like leading off, but I want to lead a final thought to Chris uh, since he wrote this one. So, Ray, just going to final thoughts. And uh, yeah, man, this floor is yours, good brother. Yeah. Um, so, my final thoughts are this. Uh, I just want to shout out everybody that's poured into me in terms of uh, getting me to where where I'm at. Um, you know, it, it could could have been from my hometown in Covington. It could have been uh, from Monticello, where I, where I finished high school. It could have been um, throughout college. However, or wherever I met you in the stage in which I met you, if you poured into me uh, to, to kind of help develop me and push me to be the person that I am or the person that I'm becoming, because I feel like we are all continuously growing. I want to thank you personally uh, for doing that. And um, and yeah, that's that's where I'm at, man. Th- hey, Chris, thanks for the show, man. We, we needed this. this I, thought, really I, I think you did a good job, too. I'm with you, Ray. Uh, to you, Reef, what's your final thoughts on this? I'll go and then I'll let Chris close us out. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to just, uh, you know, reiterate the shout outs, uh, you know, and, and deep appreciation as, as Ray did to and my father, Hamid, my um, we don't call them stepfathers where I come from. We call them our babas. You know, he's just uh, one of our babas. So um, uh, my baba, uh, brother Yahya, um, my teachers, Baba, baba Changa, uh, who's, you know, just my favorite of all time, um, Baba Jehudi. Um, Baba Mjenzi, Baba Chavis, you know, all these Babas who just poured into, uh, you know, all the students at Nadal Musasa and beyond, you know, um, told the story before in 1967, uh, black student walkout, Baba Mjenzi was one of the Babas that had supported them, but, you know, beforehand, um, now, you know, I also think about, uh, you know, my college roommates, I remember us being, you know, young and talking about what fatherhood meant and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to raise our kids one day. And so, you know, uh, Mark Kerr and, and Michael Scott, like, I mean, we were youth thinking about, and that's how important fatherhood is. Like we are young men uh, talking about envisioning, imagining what, uh, what fatherhood would mean for us and what we would uh, do and how we would do it and, and, and all of that. And so when I see them today as, as fathers and, 
and leaders and in, in communities. I'm just like, wow, we were talking about this stuff when we were 16, 17, 18 year old, uh, you know, young men. And I, I think people may be surprised to understand like how often young men are thinking about it, talking about it. not that they want to rush into, it, you know, or anything like that, but just how important it is. Um, and then I would say the, you know, lastly, like uh, brothers, fathers, you know, the most important decision that you can make future fathers really I'm talking to is who's going to be your partner in raising your child. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the mm-hmm. absolute most important decision you can make. And, and, um, and we have to make sure that it is a decision that we are making uh, because it is absolutely crucial um, for, you know, for our children um, and our partnership. And, and again, that strong cohesive unit uh, within our community that builds on, um, a platform that the rest of the community can build on. So, yeah, I enjoyed this. Happy Father's Day to y'all. You know, um, hey, Reef, real quick while you're on the screen, what the hell is Ben Simmons doing? Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm not watching the game. He said, I'm watching the show. He said, I'm actually doing my job. Yeah, doing show. What are you talking about? How would I even know? I, I can tell you what he's doing without watching. Missing free throws. Uh, <laughs> missing free throws. He might not be taking shots, but, you know, hopefully he's uh, he's he's being the defensive, uh, you know, Defensive Player of the Year candidate on on Trey because that young boy Trey is uh is something else. Man. They they just they just young and not realizing the moment, man. And, and and maybe Trey's father had a good word for him this morning to tie it back into the show. I'm gonna let Chris close us out, so I'm gonna give my thoughts now. I appreciate the hell out you brothers. I learned from y'all. Um, I know I'm the petulant little brother or whatever. Um, especially when it's Henny Cole on the mic, you 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 gonna get authenticity. You you gonna get authenticity in this thing, baby. Y'all, y'all just gotta deal with it. Just know if y'all sign us to a major deal, this is what's coming. Um, I will say this, man. Um, Speak that into existence. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's coming. It's coming. You know, me and my pops. It's a complicated relationship. We don't we don't have the best. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate them being there though, and I appreciate them being built like Ray, right? Because it was just some shit that I just couldn't do. It just like <laughs> even that was enough. But I also think that in a different show, and this is why I'm so thankful for people like Dr. Tommy Curry and uh, Doctor my my good friend that I did the program with uh, my my doctoral program with Dr. Dr. Ishman Anderson that talks about these things and they talk about the complexities of white supremacy, the impact of culture on black people and the relationships that we have with each other. You know what I'm saying? Me and my father don't have that type of relationship. I appreciate what he did and I, you know, and I can appreciate his growth, even though me and him have whatever conversation, you know, whatever relationship we got. And, you know, it might be something that needs to be taken to the yard. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But I think that, you know, showing that love and appreciation. That's why I was asking Sharif and Chris about that chasm. Right. Because I remember how I grew up with my dad and my mom. It was like I was just like a roommate. You feel me? And like they was very strict on me. But when my brother and sister had issues, it's like, oh, my, especially my sister. Listen, women couldn't touch garbage in my house when my sister came. You feel me? So it's like I think that relationships can be complicated and you can still pay homage and pay respect to it. You know what I'm saying? And one day maybe me and him will shoot up, you know, a peace pipe, roll up together, whatever. But I also just wanted to show some love to my uncle who got a complicated relationship with his own kids, but I wouldn't have made it through college without him. Um, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. And that dude, because I'm the first, we had a lot of black men go to go to jail in my family. So what he would do to get me through when I was struggling he sent me jail packages. And then, you know, and it, just for the people out there that got people that's 
adjacent to jail and prison. Okay, there are certain things you can send. So he would send me fruit snacks or shit that the wardens let you get through. Right. Like you send it to somebody with commissary. But I thank God for them fruit snacks every day. When I was about to quit school, when I was done with it, when I was tired of it and I had nobody to talk to, my uncle with the complicated history with his own kids sent me them packages and I stayed and I'm a doctor now. So happy Father's Day to you. Um, and that's how I'll end it. Uh, Chris, why don't you take us home on this very, very special show? And I hope y'all appreciate before Chris goes. I hope you appreciate the transparency, the love and the and the just the raw conversation that these three men, these three fathers that are not perfect, that have made mistakes, that have improved um, and are still improving in this constant. I hope you have appreciated this conversation because this is not a conversation that happens often. It is not a conversation that the world wants to see. They don't want to see black men be redemptive. They don't want to see kids like Ray's graduate two years early or Sharif building what he's building or Chris having his son be part of his business. I really want people to understand they not anomalies. They not special in that way. Like this is happening all across the country, but it's made to feel that way because that's not what's reported on. And with that, I'm going to shut the hell up and let Chris take us out. Uh, Josh, give him the full screen to end us appropriately. <laughs> well, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate everybody being here on a um, uh, on Father's Day, on a holiday, giving us your time. And basically my point in, in all of this is to say, make black fathers visible. Tomorrow morning will be Monday morning and all across the country, there will be a sea of black men who will wake up, put their pants on, and go out into the world to do something specifically because they know that they have to provide for their children. Some of those men will be going to jobs that are just jobs. They're just working them just to bring the paycheck home. And it's because they have mouths to feed and they're, they're going to do their business. Some of them are going to be in court and in court, there's going to be a presumption, not of father custody, but of mother custody. And, and the policies surrounding that in some places have gotten better, but in some places they're the default away from fathers. There's going to be media reports about black fatherlessness. There's going to be black conservatives who are going to be saying there's no such thing as systemic racism. It's just fatherlessness. And there's not going to be fathers around. 2.5 million is the number of fathers that are living with their children. That's the majority. That's 60 percent of black children of the, the, the 40% who are not part of that 60% that are living with their father, who we never talk about, who we never see, even though they're the norm, it's the majority. The other 40%, the majority of those kids are not living in the same household, but they're being co-parented between uh, a mother and a father, right? So we have to stop this campaign against the black male father because that's what it is. It's an active media campaign. And some of us have so much internalized racism that we've sucked it down ourselves. This is not to say that there are not black men who are not handling their business and doing their job. It is only to say that y'all need to stop focusing on them like they're the norm. And while you're ignoring the majority of those black men who are going to wake up tomorrow and go out and get what they need for their kids and be black fathers, be imperfect, be, you know, uh, less than stellar in some cases, uh, encounter some troubles in some cases. But I'm going to need you if you care so much about them 
and so much about black fathers. I'm going to need you then to start pushing your people who are decision makers to stop making dumb policy that penalizes and punishes black men just for being black men, starting though, before they're men in kindergarten where they're getting suspended from school systems and in middle school where they're getting the message that you don't belong here. Basically you're bad, you're deficient, you're errant, all those things, and then get them into a criminal justice system that throws the book at them for the smallest of things. But right next to them is a white person who has done the exact same thing that they do. And you can't throw the book at them if you wanted to. Because they're Teflon and we're not. I'm going to need you to start seeing black fathers and stop this nonsense about the fatherlessness. Again, I just want to say someone's going to be listening to this somewhere and saying, listen, my, the, the father in my life isn't there or my kid's father isn't there or whatnot. I'm not trying to invalidate what you're experiencing. I'm just saying don't globalize that to punish everybody else who's doing that work. Start seeing black fathers. Happy Father's Day. Well, and with that, we are out. Take us out, brother. Uh, Y'all have an amazing Father's Day. Be blessed. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecki, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.